Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torn Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album that is hitting every chart and doing incredibly well and people are loving called Citizen of Heaven. Hey, today starts one of my favorite series we do on the show all month in February. Every episode on Monday and Thursday, and maybe some surprise drop-ins, will be couples. Some married, some dating, some co-workers. There's all, some buddies, some friends, some podcast hosts, all sorts of things. We've got all sorts of pairs that we're sitting down and talking with for a couple's month because I love love, and it's February, and that's Valentine's Day, and we're talking to couples. If you weren't listening last year in February, you should go back and listen to some of our 2019 Couples Month episodes. They are genuinely some of my favorite that we got to do last year. So make sure you go back and check those out. Kicking off Couples Month for 2020 are our good friends, Chris and Emily Norton. You may know them from their viral videos. Chris is in a wheelchair and he walked across the stage at graduation and walked down the aisle at their wedding. Their book is called The Seven Longest Yards, Our Love Story of Pushing the Limits While Leaning on Each Other. I loved getting to sit down and chat with them and hear their story, and I think you're going to love it too. So here's my conversation, kicking off Couples Month 2020, Chris and Emily Norton. Okay, I'm hitting record. Sometimes people feel like I bamboozle them because we're just like talking and I hit record and then they're like, Annie, I didn't know. I wouldn't have ever said that bad word. Um, no, I kind of like it. Sometimes people just randomly click on record yeah. and it just feels so much, feels natural. Sometimes it's like, okay, record. See, so that's one of the reasons I don't like, besides reading through the book and like doing minimal online stalking, I don't do very much only yeah. because I'm like, for a lot of our friends listening, the handful that don't already know y'all personally, mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, no, let's like actually get to know each other. Right. Yeah. Because that's the goal. And yeah. that's what people want to hear anyway is oh, for sure. us becoming friends. Yeah. So. No, that's more natural. It's genuine, sure. real. Yeah. What, I mean, what a flip in y'all's lives to like go from just being people to doing interviews all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre, right? It is. It, it is. You kind of <laughs> learn as you go and you figure it out. And yeah. I remember the first time we watched ourselves oh on God. an interview on a national television interview and it was like in real time yeah and uh we were in a studio and we were talking to a camera i was on like a fox and friends fox and yeah. friends uh-huh. so all you can do is hear them in your ear and you're talking oh, to this hard. little video camera but it's on national oh, right. news and then we were like wow i think we did i think we did pretty we good. didn't mess up we didn't, mess, we didn't, we didn't stumble on our words yeah. much yeah we didn't like mumble <laughs> or anything like that we sounded coherent and then we played it back like a, like a, a year ago. Later, a year later, yeah. Like this has like been like three years time. Like oh my gosh, that was horrible. What was <laughs> that? that? Was like we were just trying to survive, and we survived. Right, right. And that was like that we accomplished it. Yeah. We survived. And uh, but now, like as you kind of do more and more, you, you kind of want to do more. You want to offer a little bit more value. You want to have a little mm-hmm. bit more emotion behind it versus just surviving. Yeah. yeah. Almost like my first speech that I give. Like, it was yeah. just, all right, don't mess up. That's, that's like the goal. <laughs> that's don't right. mess this up. <laughs> I think it's funny. So you watch people online. I, I, I've been watching this series on Netflix while I was sick called Cheer, all about this cheerleading competition. It's six episodes. It's awesome. Y'all should binge it. It's great. Yeah. Okay. But you're watching and then you go online and these you know, 20 year olds suddenly have 200,000 followers on Instagram, which is probably similar to what happened to y'all that y'all went from like being normal people Mm -hmm. to suddenly you had viral, two different viral video experiences that suddenly you're in front of a ton of people you didn't know before. Right. Does it feel great? Does it feel terrible? Does it feel both? What was that like? I mean, I feel like it was pretty cool. Like we just looked at it as an opportunity to reach people. And you just get these messages from people sharing like this added hope to my life or yeah. I believe that love is real again. And oh so gosh. you get these messages and you're like, wow, like I can't believe like what we did that we had no idea that it would reach as many people as it did yeah. impacted people in such a big way that it impacted the way they think or they live their life or um, made them want to have a closer relationship with God or go back to church. So it was almost like, that's what we were really focused on. So it felt really just special that we were able to do that mm-hmm. um, and, and just sh- share our voice with others, you know, that there's hope and that you can get through anything. Yeah. Yeah. I know one story in particular was like from a mom. She messaged us that her daughter was kidnapped 
and was gone for years. Oh, and then they found her. They got her back. And the, the girl went through a lot. But this video of us walking across the stage of the graduation just instilled this hope and belief in her that yeah. like her daughter, she's going to make it. Like They're going to make it. There's, there's hope at the end of the, this tunnel of this darkness that they're experiencing right now, but they're going to make it through. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is incredible. Like, we need more of this in the world. Like we need to be able to use this now new opportunity, this new kind of platform in a way to share, you know, God's grace and goodness and hope and inspiration to other people. It just kind of gave us a new calling, kind of a injected this jolt of inspiration ourselves yeah. to keep mm-hmm. going out there and, and sharing this word and which is why we, you know we wrote the book and we have this documentary coming out. I do the motivational speaking. It's just kind of injected to the whole new life into us. What do you do when carrying other people's hope like that feels like too much? You got to surrender it. You can't carry the weight. I know that's something that's been huge for me to learn is that it's not, everything's not up to us. We can play a part in God's plan for people, but we can't do it all. And we can't carry what's out of our control either. So um, that's really, really helped me is being able to just surrender the weight of what's out of our control. And how do you do that? Like on a Tuesday? Yeah, no. What does that actually look like? Honestly, what I've learned to do is just get down on my knees and be like, God, take this. Like, it's too heavy. I can't carry it anymore. I'm not meant to carry this. It's holding me back from focusing on my part. I need you to take it. And he does. Like, and I, I have to do it multiple times. Like it's not just like a one and done deal. Yeah. You, you like, and especially me. Like naturally, I want to carry things. Yeah. And it's gotten to me in, in a lot of trouble previously right. from carrying things yeah. that I shouldn't. And um, so that's been a really good thing for me is learning to just be able to surrender to Him and give yeah. Him the weight. And and then it really does. It's like you know exactly what you're supposed to do. Like your job becomes so clear on what your part is. Yeah. And you let go of the rest. Yeah. Chris, talk a little bit. I'd be interested. Uh, we haven't. I'm gonna, I hope I'm not wrong about this. I don't remember having anyone so far on the show that is in a wheelchair, almost mm-hmm. full-time, right? Mm-hmm. When we talk about praying on your knees, you don't get to do that, mm-hmm. right? Or no. do you? No, I mean, I, yeah, I don't get on my knees ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, just, so how do you take that posture in prayer when your body can't actually do that? You know, I feel like, you know, right where I'm at, you yeah. know, just mm-hmm. praying. And that's just, I just also focus on what I'm able to do, right? Um, There's so many different things, uh, little things like, all right, like just walk over there or, you know, uh, if you walk through those doors, blah, 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 like those little things while, you know, I'm not walking, you get it. You get the the gesture of what people are trying to communicate and you can still, you know, do what everything you need to do to get by. And I just focus on all the things I have and able to do. We talk a ton about praying on your knees here. Mm-hmm. And and so I and just about the power of changing your position yeah. physically when you're praying. Mm-hmm. And so I I often think about when I'm talking about it, what about the people who can't? Mm-hmm. Or the people who are elderly and they can't do it? Mm-hmm. Or people who it just doesn't work for their bodies. And so I'm interested that it's still a way you pray in your mind it is still a, a posture even if it isn't mm-hmm. for your body. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's really interesting. I, I, turn handing it over to God, like, yeah. is such a thing that is really easy to say, but knowing what that actually looks like is so hard for me. Yeah, I mean, it used to be super hard for me too. Yeah, and it was like a, a thing where I just wanted to take it all. I'm yeah. very independent, always have been since I was a very young girl, like as young as I can remember. Wanted to do everything myself and wanted to take like the responsibility on my shoulders. And it's really just something that I've had to force myself to do, even when I don't want to and it doesn't feel natural at all. Um, just like absolutely forcing myself to do it yeah. and just letting it go, which is really, really hard. I mean, you write about that in the book about between when y'all walked across the stage at graduation mm-hmm. and was it between when, that and getting married that you went through such like a, a really yes. hard season of anxiety? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Depression and anxiety Yeah. after that. And I do, I, you know, I think I really went through that. At the time I had no idea why I went through it, but I think it was from previously, like I've always had this passion for kids in foster care and kids who've been abused and neglected. And yeah. so growing up, I got into that with volunteering, mentoring, working in a group home. And um, I started like taking these kids who have gone through such hard things and had nobody. And I started taking like their happiness and their success on my 
my shoulders mm. and thinking like, this is my responsibility. Like God has put me in their life for a reason and it's my responsibility to do something about it. Oh, wow. And so I would take that weight and I would carry it and I felt like I had to do it and I had to do it all. Yeah. And so honestly, it got to a point where I was mentally paralyzed. I couldn't do anything. Um, I started numbing out the bad, which then obviously numbs out the good too. And we just don't know that until yes, we're doing it, right? <laughs> until you're like out of it. You're yes. like, oh gosh, I just did that. Yes. And I don't I didn't even realize I was doing it. Yep. But it started to become so hard and just like caring and loving for those kids as much as I do when I did. Like I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't know how to release it. And I would bury it down and take that weight. So and and that it did. It drove me into like the darkest time I've ever been in my life yeah. where just getting up in the morning and doing another day felt impossible. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't do it. It felt like there was no hope at all. And because I was taking everything on my shoulders and that responsibility, like I felt like me where I was, I had to do do, do it myself to get out of it. Yeah. I couldn't lean on God. I couldn't go and like let this out because it was too hard. Like I felt vulnerable and I I just it was hard for me to let out what was going on. Yeah. So I buried it down and I went away from God. I went away from everybody. Did exactly what you should not do and mm. exactly what's gonna just keep you in that place forever. Yeah. Um and it, it was, it was just like a, a time that was super, super hard. I wonder that there, I'm sure, I don't even wonder, I'm sure there are people listening Mm -hmm. from their bed yeah, and they haven't gotten out in a few days. What would you say to them? I mean, you've got to fight it. You have to feel it even when it's hard and even when you can't, you feel like you can't, you have to, you got to lean into God, go towards him, not away from him um, and ask for help. I mean, that's like what changed it all for me is just getting professional help. Yeah, We started going back to church again. Like we just went the wrong direction, you know. Were you already married when this was going on? No, we weren't. So this is before we were married. And um, we went back to church and there was a message I'll never forget where I felt like the pastor was just speaking right to me. Right. And he said, you know, sometimes God has you go through hard things to realize and learn things that you need and you're going to need in your life. And he's like, and even somebody who's independent maybe will go through something hard to realize you have no choice but to depend on God. You cannot do life by yourself. It doesn't work. And that's when I'm like, wait, uh uh-oh, that's me. (laughs) Like, I've been fighting this for so long by myself, thinking I have to do it, thinking there's something wrong with me if I admit that I have a problem and that there's something going on. I had nothing bad happen to me. I had everything I needed. Why would I be feeling this way? But it was like, wait, I've got to surrender. i got to give it to God and know that I need help. And I'm going to go to him. I started praying. And after I started praying, I realized like, you know what? My part right now is to go get help. Like I need professional help. Mm. And so I was able to realize that once I went to God in prayer. And then I I went in, I got on medication for anxiety and um, it just, it changed everything completely. It helped with my depression, with all of it. Like the chemicals were so imbalanced and just talking about it, it doesn't have power over you anymore. You get power over it. Um, When you bury it down, like it's still there. It Mm -hmm. might feel like it's not for a while, but it's there. Yeah. When you're able to let it out, journal, pray, talk to somebody, you know, seek help, like it does not have that same power over you anymore. Yeah. My counselor says that going from A to Z is going to happen no matter what, but sometimes yeah. medicine takes you to M. Yes. And then you just have to yep. go from M to Z. And That's then right. in the journey, you are still going to do the journey. You do. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it, you still have to deal with the pain that sometimes the, the medicine is going to balance out the things right. that will help you sort of out. Almost every show so far this year, we've talked about counseling mm-hmm. and being on our phones less. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to run the phone companies out of business yeah. and <laughs> get counselors. Everybody's counselor is going to get a boat because they're going <laughs> to have so many clients. Okay. Chris, will you back me up and tell me during that time when she's going through all that, what's going on with you? Because y'all aren't married yet, but y'all are already dating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are y'all engaged at this point? Yes, Yes. we're engaged. And what are you thinking when all this is going on? Because you've had your accident, you're in your wheelchair, and she's depressed. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, I just, I personally didn't understand it. I didn't know anything about depression or anxiety because just from my small window of experience, I didn't. Thankfully, I think the guy that I didn't go through that. Yeah, uh, I I missed that. And when I when Emily started going through it, at first, you know, this horrible take was just like, you got a bad attitude. You know, you just got <laughs> you just got to change yeah. what you're focusing sure. on. Just you know, it's that simple, right? It's not. And you know, I was kind of just naive to the whole the whole thing. And so, but when you know things kind of continued, and obviously, you know, those motivational tactics, it's not going to work. It's it's deeper than just. Like I said, a bad attitude. It's, yeah. it's not that. You know, just like you, you break your arm, you're going to see a doctor. Um, you know, there's mental 
health issues, you, you got to see a doctor or a counselor or something. You got to yeah. seek help. And um, I didn't realize that at, in the beginning. Yeah. And so as kind of things went on, things kept, you know, kind of getting worse. And I started to really educate myself and uh, understand more about what, what it is and how it affects you. And uh, that's when it really kind of opened my eyes to, to that. And then, um, you know, I just tried the best I could to, to be there, yeah. uh, which was hard because you know, sometimes I, I felt guilty myself. Like, am I doing this? Is it because oh, of wow. me? You know, and I tried to like, you know, protect myself. Be like, no, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But maybe it is. And I was kind of wrestling with that. Yeah. But also trying to be a support to Emily, but yet um, not let things, you know, be personal or anything like that. But it, it was it was difficult because it was just kind of a huge flip, huge change from what how things were to then this season of life that um, Emily was going through. Was it a day that it started and a day that it ended? Um, you know, I didn't, it was like kind of like on and off for a while before it started really, really hitting me. And then, but w- there was definitely just a day when it like changed. And that was a, a th- about three weeks after I got on the medication. And that's exactly what the doctor said. She's like, yeah. three weeks from now is when it's really going to start hitting you. And I'll never forget that moment we were sitting there playing a game. And I just like looked up with tears in my eyes to Chris. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm, this is a great life that we live. I hadn't wow. thought that for so long. Yeah. It was the exact same life that we were living. Right. The only thing different was like going on inside me. Yeah. But it was, it, that was a turning point. And again, like there was work that had to happen afterwards and I had to stay really close to God and like apologize to Chris for how I treated him like he I, I was angry like it was so much easier to be angry than anything else what were and you just, angry about uh, just everything just yeah. where where I was going like instead of feeling sad instead of feeling just like what's going on like I'm like I'm just gonna be angry instead it was mm, easier yeah it was, the emotion was so much easier than sadness yeah. and feeling like you're stuck and you're helpless and there's you have no idea what's going on so I just turned to anger and I mean he got the worst of it because he was the closest to me and so that was something that I had to like ask for forgiveness for too yeah and that was like a big healing thing for me to not feel like that guilt or shame for like how I was because I know that was not me I was not because yeah, I, I, I imagine so many people listening are either have walked through that or mm-hmm. are partners with someone who is walking yeah. through that how do you communicate in the middle of a season of depression like as the person suffering and as the partner what kind of things do people need to be asking and saying yeah. to each other? I mean, I neither of us did very good at it during <laughs> it. Um, I pushed Chris away so hard. And that, again, I think comes from like my independence and just wanting to do everything myself and not wanting to admit what was going on. So like communication was really, really hard for both of us. For me to just like be like, hey, this is what was going on. Like that was really hard for me and I didn't do it very often. Um, so but, I mean, it was helpful like when Chris like really just showed me he cared and really showed me like he was there and he loved me and he was there to support me. Like that was helpful. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't good at accepting it and definitely wasn't good at like showing anything either or communicating my needs or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Well, yeah, what have been helpful is like those, was it the en- Enneagrams or whatever it's called? Oh, the Enneagram? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> um, so Emily is, what, what is it? Like Type a, two. A two. Oh, yeah, the helper. Like, yeah. yeah. And so Emily actually, like, it was like from Instagram. She like sent me this picture of like questions to ask that I'm like, okay, these questions would have been great for this, the, the season that, you know, Emily went through with her depression, anxiety. But it's just understanding her better and like how like what will help her because you know that's like um treat others how you want to be treated but you know really it's like treat others how they want to be treated (laughs) and um how emily wants to be treated is different or like what helps her is different than what helps me and so i guess i think during the season of time i was you know doing things that would help me for her um that's just kind of what i knew but just being able to kind of better understand kind of deeper on like what might kind of change things for mm-hmm. her and what mm-hmm. what helps her feel you know loved and um, cared for would have been great for in this season yeah okay back me up and tell me how y'all met how does this even start? Yeah. So um, we met in college. We were at different colleges but we met online actually. Uh uh-uh. yeah. <laughs> which app? Is it one we still use? Please say Tinder. <laughs> oh. It is. It is. It is. It was yeah. Tinder. Hey, yes. you, don't, you don't usually tell people yeah. that. Oh, sorry. Do you want? No, it's okay. It's okay. okay. Secret. Okay. It's no, like, just for your guys' views. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the reason we haven't been saying that because th- we like were like one of the first adopters uh-huh. of of yep. the app. It was more then, just like fun. 
yeah, swipe like, to see who's cute, you know? That's right. That's <laughs> like right. I felt like it was the first of its kind, and then now it's kind of like... Kind of turned into, like, some people use it's the it hookup one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. But it was. I agree with you. Yeah. Ten years ago or something, that was not the one... That yeah. was not what Tinder was no, about. and now yeah. Yeah, so it's changed, and we're like, we don't really so want y'all to were explain in- that to every person. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you come to a very app-friendly place. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. We are very loving here. You're yeah. allowed to meet however you meet. <laughs> were y'all at colleges and towns near each other? Oh, it was three hours apart. You were like on a road trip, right? And somehow, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Which was weird too. Like I was going um, to a family get together, and he was at home, so I drove by like where he was at, and had like matched just with swiping. him at that oh, time. Oh my yeah. gosh! So really, honestly, is a miracle that we matched in the first place. Because yeah. yeah, we were not close together. At yeah. All. Which is oh, so weird. Yeah. And we almost didn't go on that trip either. So my we had like this a flat tire and we went to a few different places. My dad was getting so frustrated. He was about ready to go home and because it was a long, it was a quite yeah. few hours. And then finally he's like, This is the last place. If they have the tire, we're gonna go. If not, we're going home. And they had it. Oh my god. So it's kind of funny how it just worked out like yeah. that. How old were y'all when you met online? How old were we? I was twenty one, you were twenty. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah twenty one, twenty. And then I just kind of thought it was just going to be like, you know, just kind of a really surface level conversation that would just fizzle out. Yeah. Right. And then Emily just started asking these like really deep personal questions that questions that you went right past the surface. Just like, um, you know, what was it like? you know, waking up the day after surgery and things that people are like pretty like intimidated to ask me unless you're like, you know, you're on a podcast interview. Or something <laughs> right. Like that. But um, just for some like a stranger to ask me that was just like, whoa, like, okay. And it kind of just like allowed me to like open up and be vulnerable for myself. Cause you'd already had the accident. Yeah. I already had the accident. Okay. So this is um, three years after my spinal cord injury. Okay. Yeah. And so in my pictures, you can't like see the wheelchair, but I had the link to my nonprofit like in my profile. So if like someone was interested, they just clicked on the link. To yeah, learn. I found it. So, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> You're like, him. oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. So she found it, which I was fine with because, I mean, you're going to realize I'm in a wheelchair eventually. And I'd rather you know than not know. Yeah. But um, so then, yeah, it just kind of sent her down like kind of a rabbit hole of questions for me and it just I just felt instantly connected it was just a great conversation and just instantly I I fell for just by her curiosity and just how she made me feel and um, we just knew we we had to meet in person and so you're driving by (laughs) and how I mean what does meeting in person look like like hey come to my college town for the weekend and well he pretended he was in town visiting boy, let's go (laughs) my man (laughs) to meet up make it happen yeah so she's um so yeah I'm moving into college Iowa State University and I'm like oh really I soon as she said that I texted one of my friends hey can I stay at your place? <laughs> he goes to Iowa State. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's sure. I, I found a ride. And then I text, oh, really? I'm going to be there too. Like, oh, my gosh. We have to meet up sometime. Yeah, and then he tried <laughs> getting me to come over to his friend's house. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not <laughs> yeah. meeting you at a house. Yeah, you're no, like 0%. No, no. I've seen yeah. this show before, and it doesn't end well <laughs> yeah. for the girl. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm not that threatening. Like, <laughs> I'm a quadriplegic. Like, I'm really limited for like... Right, I can't capture you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was thinking. And then when it didn't work out, like the first night of the weekend, um, and then she suggested, well, what if I just come by and pick you up? And I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> she has no idea how bad my situation is. Like, oh, wow. you can't just pick me up and just put me in your little yellow, yellow cobalt car. <laughs> car. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. Like, and then I just got like all these like insecurities of just like, she has no idea what she's going to get into. Wow. She doesn't know the severity. Maybe she thinks like I, just because I can like stand and take steps with assistance that I just do that all the time. Like yeah. I'm not in my chair and it's like, I, I still depend on my chair a lot. Um, so I was just like, oh gosh, oh gosh, like this is not going to go well at all. Um, but eventually we figured out kind of like a public meeting spot that's kind of busy. And, and, uh, I will never forget her, um, me waiting there at these benches and I see her crossing the street and I'm pretty sure my jaw just dropped. Just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And I picked it back up and she was just like so beautiful 
uh, even more beautiful than I saw from her pictures. And then uh, she came and just looked me in the eyes and uh, had a great conversation and uh, just never stared at my chair or my hands or, you know, anything that was, you know, different, but just like was talking to me um, and wasn't caught up in anything else, which was really special. But I, I really kind of got that sense just from talking to her. That's the kind of girl she is. Uh, I, I would imagine a lot of single people listening and myself included listening to you can say, this is the thing that's going to keep me from being in a relationship. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm yeah. this, I'm that, I'm whatever. Why did you keep trying? Why didn't that insecurity win? I begin to like just see that there's people who don't care about those kind of things. And what people really care about is who you are as a person and the, yeah. the love and the value that you give. I remember thinking when I was first hurt, I'm not going to make any more friends. Really? Like I literally thought like whoever I know as a friend that's it. right now, like that's going to be it. Wow. Like who's going to be my friend? And then I made a friend. And then it was like, it kind of gave me this hope. And then it just, it just kind of like, it sort of built up my confidence. And I began to realize, although my identity, I wrapped myself into being an athlete. Like everything that makes me like really special, or unique, or maybe intriguing to someone else has something to do with my physical ability. And I had it all wrong. And it wasn't until that was all stripped away from me right. that people really more so care about, you know, again, who you are as a person. And so as I realized that, it gave me kind of the confidence that, you know, I'm going to be who I who I am. I'm going to be my best version of myself. Mm-hmm. And um, there's going to be people who like that. There's going to be people that are going to get caught up in the wheelchair part, and that's fine. Then they're not the right person for me. But yeah. uh, I still got to kind of put myself out there and try. Yeah. And everybody has something. Everybody like, has yeah. something. You can see his wheelchair, so you can see, you know, the things that he struggles with on the outside. But, like, absolutely everybody has dealt with hard things or is dealing with hard things and has things that, you know, they might feel like is going to disqualify them for, like, the relationship or what they're doing. Yeah. And so I think just keeping that in mind, too. Like, I mean, I, I struggle with that in dating relationships where I'll go, like, hey, you know my job, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, it is a very public thing yeah. that he that is not always easy. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I have to in these relationships I have to go are you going to are you going to be okay mm-hmm. that this is my life? Mm-hmm. And are you are you cool with Annie and Annie F downs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And so I in a different way I totally relate to mm-hmm. you cannot hide this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that, that the fear says is what's keeping you from relationship. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Emily, why why wasn't that weird for you or was it weird for you? I mean, not not really at first. Like, I think naturally, like, I just see people for who they are. Like, I try to. It becomes kind of – it's just easy for me to do that. Um, so for a long time, like, I just really wanted to get to know them and know, like, how are you so positive? Is this real? Yeah, <laughs> Is yeah, this yeah. possible? Right. You're more positive than me, and you go through, like, way more challenging things. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't make sense. Like, I just wanted to figure it out. Yeah. And I was. I was extremely naive to it. I mean, like, I knew nobody who had a spinal cord injury or used a wheelchair all the time. I knew right. nobody. And so that was very, very new for me. Um, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. And so at the beginning, I mean, I was really connected to him. I was like, he has every single quality that I want in a man. Like, I see him being with me for, like, ever. Um, Really? I I did for, yeah. From, like, the first date? Not the first date. Okay. I was like, yes, (laughs) you guys knew it. I I like that. There was a thing he said. (laughs) Really? I was head over heels. But I had to play it cool. I played it way cool, though. Like, she'll text me. I'm like, all right. 10-minute timer, go. Oh, right. good man. That's right. Yeah. You have to, right, yeah, right. Did. So but so at the beginning, I mean, Two I was... 10-minute timer. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was more than 10 minutes. Yeah, honestly. I think it was. <laughs> like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Towards the beginning, for the first few months, like I just felt like God had brought us together for a reason. Like it just felt right. Felt like I always knew him. But then I would say like months into the relationship is when I started having some doubts and started into the terrible comparing game of like, man, it's would like, here's this couple and they don't have to deal with these challenges. They don't have to think about these things. Things just seem easier. And it took like what we did have away because I got into that of like just comparing and then thinking about the future too, like the fears of like, how is this going to work? How are we going to have kids someday when there's a lot on my shoulders? Like, how are we ever going to do that? Yeah. So those fears crept in and I I just tried to, you know, push them off, push them off to the side because I did. I felt it in my heart and I I just like knew that God wanted us to be together. Like I just mm. felt it. 
Even though y'all were living in two different cities still. Yeah, so that was mm-hmm. hard too. So she had to do all the driving because at that point I wasn't driving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so every time to see each other, it yeah. was always you going to his college. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did y'all end up in the same city? That was when we went to Michigan to train for the graduation walk. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's when we were in the same city. Okay. Yeah, so Emily found this like trainer that's helped a couple people walk again. And it just kind of like reignited this like hope in me that, you know, maybe I can walk independently. And this is my ticket out. And so I just... Ticket out of... Just not be in the chair. Yeah. Like I, I can just be walking independently. This yeah. is this could be it. And so I was trying to figure out a way. How can I go to this place in Michigan? But obviously, like I, I have to have someone to help me. Yeah. And I didn't like people were I, buddies were in college. Emily just finished college, and so I didn't really have very many people signing up to relocate their life. But Emily was like all for it. Like she like was so passionate. Like as passionate about me. Like fulfilling my dream as I was, which yeah. was really incredible to see. And so uh, we kind of took this like leap of faith that like this could be, this could be it. We got to, we got to give this a try. Yeah. And so we, we re- relocated to Michigan to try to, to walk again. And then also accomplish this goal that I set out to walk across the stage yeah. of my college graduation. Yeah. Do you get to walk at some point every day? Are you up out of the chair at some point every day? Or is it like once a week or what's it like right now? Yeah, right now it's probably about five times a week where I, I like walk around the house with somebody yeah. to kind of help guide me. And actually, it was pretty fun. This last week, my ten-year-old uh, daughter stood me up out of my chair, yeah, yeah. yeah and she's now like <laughs> helping me transfer from my chair uh, to the couch, yeah, which is really she fun. Loves it. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it was cute. She was like holding onto him so tight, like looking up, like Aww. oh my gosh, he's yeah. so tall. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really cute. But that's that's fun. But you know, like little things like that where I'm I'm getting out of the chair to like to the couch or yeah somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the hope of walking? Do you want to be walking fully someday? You know, I do, but honestly, I don't think about it often. Really? Yeah, I really don't. It's not something that's like always on my mind. Like uh, I think maybe some people might assume. I focus on like just having a happy, healthy family. Yeah. Like that's like my where my priority lies. Like, yeah. While I'm hopeful, like there could be like a, a breakthrough or a miracle that happens where I can, which would be amazing. But it's not something that like every day like I wake up thinking about like, which I'm, it's today the day yeah yeah, yeah. It's today today or is it close or are we one yeah. day closer you know i don't think about it like that but um you know i would love to you know be able to get stronger and kind of be more independent where it really stings probably the most is when i want to get more involved with my kids like activities like you know i want to play catch with them or yeah. i want to um throw them around in the pool or you know little things like that like a dad that's where it's like oh like this is when it hurts. This yeah. is when it stings. And this is when I like have to like be super intentional about like not letting my mind and my focus go there and just really try to like reverse it back to what am I able to offer and like what can I do yeah. um, to kind of pull me out of that place. Like a, an I spy of positivity of just trying to like, okay, oh, this is where I'm at. This is where I can do. This is um, what's going on that's, that's positive. That's good. And that kind of helped me get out of that mindset. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation to tell you about our good friends over at Third Love. You guys, one of my favorite things, you've heard me say it, is when you come up to me in restaurants or at events or in the airport, and some of you ladies will quietly whisper that you are wearing your Third Love bra, and I support it. Well, they support you. Third Love does bras <laughs> differently. They believe every woman deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day. And with the right kind of support, they can help you do this. Their bras are designed to fit you, not the other way around. With measurements from millions of women, their bra styles are made to fit your life. Every bra is made for your comfort with memory foam cups, no slip straps, and a smooth, scratch-free band with a printed label. 
You guys know one of my favorite things about Third Love is that you can take a Fit Finder quiz online and after answering a few simple questions, you're able to find your perfect fit bra in 60 seconds or less. And over 15 million women have taken the quiz to date. It's it's fun and it takes less than a minute and it helps you realize not only size, but how much shape matters when finding a good fitting bra. Third Love helps you identify both and find the style that fits your body. And they have a perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can just return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. And so far, Third Love has donated over $15 million in bras. I think that's really cool. So Third Love knows there is a perfect bra for every gal out there. So right now they are offering my friends 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash sounds fun right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash sounds fun for 15% off today. And now back to the show. So you walked across stage, which everybody's seen that video. It's awesome. It makes everyone cry. Will Smith shared it. It's just not normal. Not a normal life you have right there. And then you walked down the aisle and that was in 2018. Is that right? Is that when y'all got married? When yes. Got married? Yeah. But you have a 10 year old. So the math, that's why we, this is, I need some help. We have so many kids. Let's help, yeah, let's help everybody on yeah. the math because y'all been married for two-ish years. But you've got five kids. We actually have six now. You we currently just have accepted six. a little kid on Wednesday for in foster care. So and we're yeah, fostering you've had, him like, right now. How many of you had come through your house as fostered? Um, eighteen. Eighteen. So we have five adopted, and then the yeah, one right now. Five adopted. That's like no joke. A Twenty-year-old <laughs> and the twenty-year-old. That's old. Oh my gosh! How Almost young 21. is the youngest? <laughs> She's three. And then the little oh kid that we're fostering gosh. is one. <gasps> Emily. <a> <laughs> <laughs> How in the world five and are the five that you've adopted are all girls? Yes, all girls. And they're all biological sisters. Um so four of them are biological sisters. Okay. Yep. And then the oldest one, Whitley, she's the one that really opened my eyes to foster care. She's the one that I mentored when she was in elementary school. And okay. that's when like my eyes were so open that there are kids without families fighting for them or showing them that they're loved and cared for and they're going through such hard things. And that's when I was hooked. Like this yeah. is what I want to do forever. And I just knew it. So when did y'all adopt them? So February of last year, we adopted the four girls, and then December, just about a year a year ago, with yeah, Whitley. December 2018. Yep. Okay. So married the summer of 2018. December 2018, you adopt an 18 year old. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then in February 2019, adopted four girls. Yeah. You guys. In less than a year, we had five kids. Yeah. 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 This isn't how it normally goes. No. Just. No. Just. <laughs> Here, here's the part people aren't talking enough about. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, we didn't write it up like that, but it's just kind of like we felt called mm-hmm. and just felt like we need to just go. Yeah, go tell me what it. that means. How would someone who's listening know if they're called to something like that? It's really on your heart. I feel like if it keeps coming back, you keep thinking about it, um, that that's a, a pretty good call that like, you know, this is that you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to at least step yeah, toward step it. into it. Yeah. You know, even if it's just slowly. Yeah. I mean, we stepped in very slowly at first. First we had Whitley. So Whitley, Listen, there's nothing wait, very slow. Yeah, what? Wait. <laughs> slowly. Yeah. What are you talking about I slowly? mean one kid, that's slow. Taking it a one 17 kid. year old? Yeah. <laughs> that's slow. Thank you. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> we were twenty three and twenty four years old when we accepted our first placement of a seventeen year old. Uh, hey, it in seems an slow now. In Florida. <laughs> With a list of, you know, behaviors that, you know, would intimidate what did intimidate everybody else. Yeah. But that's why we we end up, you know, accepting and doing it because we knew we were last hope. Yeah. We felt like, okay, like, where are the challenges and all the, you know, the headaches and the heartaches that will come from saying yes, but then you're thinking about what if we say no? Yeah, that was What's going to happen if we say no? Yeah. And seeing, like, what's has happened and also knowing like the previous relate like the relationship that Emily had with her and how heartbroken, you know, we'd all be if we could have stepped up and done something we did it. Mm-hmm. Like that was too much. Yeah, that's like what made us like absolutely it's a yes. It's thinking about what would happen if we said no. Wow. And, and what she's only could this five be? years younger than y'all, six years younger she than y'all. Is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason too we're thinking about saying no is like, what are the everybody else is gonna think? You know, what are people gonna like you know, they're going to judge us or like what they're going to think we're insane, like kind of worrying about yeah. society, kind of like yeah. your, the kind of that mental aspect versus like 
again, listening to your heart and what maybe you feel called to do and what you feel is right. Yeah. And uh, I love this thing that my, our pastor says, that, like, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. Yeah, and he has. I mean, he's completely qualified us and, like, just stretched us way more than we ever thought. You know, like, we never thought we would accept a placement of four kids and then have five kids at the time, you mm-hmm. know, or seven at one time. Yeah. Like, we never thought that we would be capable of doing that or could do that. And, I mean, every single time we've done it, you figure it out and you do it. I mean, And things is... fall into place. Yeah. You aren't surely not still in an apartment. <laughs> no. no okay. Not. We just, we moved into a bigger house. We need a lot more space. Yeah, yeah you'd have to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The ones you've adopted. Oldest is 20, and then take me down the stack. Yep, so 20, 10, 8, 6, 3. And 10, 8, 6, 3 are, are, are blood siblings. Yes, yep. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you have, the oldest is like a fifth grader. Is she fifth or sixth? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yep. So you're like filling the elementary school. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then Lily's with us today. We yes. brought Lily into the studio. Yeah, she's yeah. eight. So. Yeah, okay, yeah. so she's the number two. Yes. Okay, she's very cute. She is. Oh, she's so, so sweet. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> are their parents in the picture, their biological parents in the picture at all? They are not, no. Okay. Yeah. So y'all are y'all don't you're not balancing that as well of like no but I mean we have balanced that with different foster placements and it's yeah. been like an awesome thing when we're able to yeah like that's been one of my favorite parts about fostering and it was really scary at first thinking about it but it really has like I mean we've been able to stay in contact with kids that have gone home and because we reached out to the parents and talked to them and created that relationship and they do they love their kids so much and so I mean it's just a, it's a hard challenging road to like figure out Um, but it's been awesome to be able to stay in contact with people and keep them posted on how their kids doing and all of that too which wasn't a natural thing at first because like I know Emily like at first it's like those parents like how could they yeah I used to be so angry how dare they and but we're trying to you know Jesus be Jesus like and just kind of love on everybody and just realize the more you kind of get to know the parents um, they're broken. Yeah. They've they're gone through. They're probably in foster care themselves. Yeah. You know, yes, like so we had broken homes when they were children and went through so much and yeah. um, are just in this cycle that they can't break and it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and then you just start having love and compassion for them, even if they have made really bad decisions that have really put their children in danger. Yeah. Um, but trying to like see past that has mm-hmm. been something that, yeah, it was not natural, but it's like I'm so happy that we've been able to do that. Yeah. Chris, Emily said, you know, her whole life, she kind of has had this in her, like loving foster kids. Was that always in you too? How did you come around like, okay, let's adopt? <laughs> um, that that wasn't, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't think it was in me, yeah. but obviously Emily like pulled it out of me, I would say maybe, or maybe she helped instill it. Um, but yeah, at first I'm like, whoa, like I'm not ready to be a dad. Like, I don't know if I'm qualified to be a dad. Like I'm, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. What if, this or that and you know I had all these like kind of insecurities and like logical reasons to say no yeah um but I could just tell like how cold Emily was and like her passion and her love and just I knew like with her we could do it like she just has this um strength about her that we'll get through it although this isn't my strong suit is like children like I, I never really had younger children, I never babysat. I never, I didn't have much experience. So yeah. I was really um, like, no, no, like, I don't, I don't think we should do this. Um, but just after conversations and uh, just feeling Emily's confidence in it, I believed her. And I, I've seen her do some incredible things. And um, when I see her with these kids, like, she, she has an unbelievable gift to just help them feel so loved yeah. and so cared for and so safe. Like, kids become so attached to Emily like it's amazing and it's like after seeing that and witnessing that it's like I I can't say no because like seeing how much she can change these kids and then now I'm kind of like learning from her like how I can do the same because I'm not as like vocal I'm not as like feely (laughs) or I don't know what the right (laughs) word is but Emily just expresses her emotions so well and just for me to try to communicate that even better like follow her suit to make sure like every single kid feels so loved and special and safe yeah no I mean it's been really cool seeing just Chris grow this passion for it too you know because it was like 
at first when we started talking about it, it was like fear really was creeping in for him. And he had not met kids um, besides Whitley he knew, but that were in foster care. Like he didn't have that relationship of like, this is this kid's story. I care about this kid. This is the hard things they're dealing with. And I can actually do something to help them feel less alone and, right. and loved. So that was a, that's been a really, really cool thing to see is him like grow this love for wanting to help these kids in these situations. Yeah. I really do think like if anybody just spent some time with these kids, like mentored them, did something like you're going to grow a passion or love and want to do something yeah. to help. And I think everyone can play a part in it, even if it's not fostering or adopting, you know, like mentoring or um, even just donating to a, an organization that works for them or supporting mm-hmm. foster families. I mean, those things are huge in helping these kids. Yeah. And I, I think it's, kind of sometimes overlooked, but Jesus was very clear, take mm-hmm. care of the widows and the yeah. orphans. Yeah, like absolutely. there are two groups right. that everyone needs to be thinking about in one way or another. Yep. And so if it's partnering with Compassion International or if it is bringing kids into your mm-hmm. home or anything in between, that is part of doing what Jesus asked yeah. us to do with our lives. Yep, absolutely. Right? Says the girl who is not adopting. I mean, that, like that's there are a lot of single women doing that. That's their story. Yeah. That's not my story at all. Yeah. But I'm like, no, there are ways that I'm involved yeah. in orphan care that right. does not look like me raising a kid by myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. There's so many different ways, and it's all, I mean, it's very important, you know, any of the ways. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah just absolutely. do your part and what you're capable of doing. And- yeah, I know, too, it's been pretty cool, like, to see the effect it's had on our adopted kids as well. Because I know there's, like... To bring in foster yeah, kids. Yeah, because they know what it's like, and they take this role, like, and they step up and love these kids. It's so special to see. Um, but then they also have to learn to sacrifice, too, and share more of our attention, which I think is so important for kids to know, like, we're here to sacrifice, like, and to live mm. like Jesus lived. Yeah. So we were having that conversation the other day before he came. I'm, like, trying to get him before ready. Before the little one, the new yeah. one. Yeah, we yeah. knew he was coming that night. We're on our way to Target to grab a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? It's really special. You guys are learning this young that we have to, like, you know, step aside and sometimes put other people's needs in ahead of ours. And we might have to sacrifice. You might have to wait 15 minutes if you need to talk to me or dad right away because yeah. we might have to be feeding him a bottle or doing something. Yeah. Um, but you're learning how to live like Jesus, which we're all called to do. Yeah. How did y'all end up in Florida? Why Florida? My training took oh, us okay. to Florida. So mm-hmm. we were in Michigan. And this uh, physical therapist I was working closely with, uh, he got um, relocated to their Florida gym. And Emily and I, we were trying to figure out our next move or what we're going to do next. We knew it wasn't Michigan. And then we're like, wait, Florida? That sounds pretty cool. And your families are in Iowa, right? Yeah, they're in Iowa. And like, I can continue my training. We could, um, I can do my training to maybe get ready for a wedding walk. Um, you know, beaches, it's flat, it's warm, no more layers, snow or ice. Like that sounds kind of fun. Like, like, let's just go for it. And so we did. And, uh, it's been a, a great move. Um, unfortunately the, the parking for the handicap spots are really competitive there. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so, you know, I have to, I have to fight for those You got to fight for it. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, um, it's great. Keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Keeps you going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The reason I ask is if you wouldn't have been driving yeah. across Iowa, y'all wouldn't have met on right. Tinder. If you wouldn't have moved to Florida, you wouldn't have your daughters. Yeah. Oh, we think about like, that. Like it's just, it is the Lord's hand on yes. your story is just repeatedly mm-hmm. there. No. Mm-hmm. And that's been something for me is like trusting God's timing. Mm. And it's again, I'm great it's at that. Hard. Keep talking. <laughs> Super at that. It's, yeah. I'm so I'm not good either. It's so hard to do. Yeah. I mean, we were just waiting for a foster placement, and it was just driving me nuts. But like now we have this little guy, and I love him so much already. Yeah. And I know for a fact, like he was meant to be in our home. And if we would have accepted a kid three weeks ago, he wouldn't be here. Yeah. And so, and that's been with every single thing. Like we had a placement right before we got our four girls, who was only there for a little bit over a week, and. And that, and then all of a sudden we have open beds and they came into care. Yeah. And so we went to know them and I actually knew the two older kids too, which is another crazy part of the story. Yeah. So I, I was at a group home and I was working there and okay. I knew our two oldest, they were there and oh, I was wow. super connected to them. And then it had been a long time, like over a year or so that I had no idea where they were, didn't know what was going on. And then I get this call and I figure out I know them Yeah. and we have open beds and I already knew them. Like it was so totally God's hand yeah. and all of it making 
taking away exactly the way it was supposed to be. But we then too had to like trust and follow that and be open to that um, and just really follow like even if we were scared, if we felt like he was calling us to do that and had that feeling of like this is meant to be like to just go all in and do it. Yeah. My friend Amanda Carpenter, she's a writer as well, but she they adopt and foster and she always says get too attached. Yes, She's you like, have get to. too attached. Yep, it is do. it is worth it. Yes. Because they're there. For, even if, because I think about the one that was there a week, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, how heartbreaking every time a kid leaves. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I've been already, like, I haven't got this attached so quick with this little guy. Like, yeah. you know, and I, like, it was instant. I'm serious. Like, the caseworker handed him to me. He looked up at me and smile on his face, grabbed my face, and I'm oh. like, I love you already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I have cried so many times this week, and I'm not like that. Yeah. But I love him so much, and it is, it's scary to think, like, he could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. That's terrifying. But, but then that's again, also what you want, because you want yes. him with his parents. Yeah, we and you do. Want him, yeah. yeah. We want what's best for him. It's like, <sighs> the selfishness in me is like... Like, oh, it's going to hurt so bad. Like, my heart's going to be broken. But we will do absolutely everything for him and fight for him. And he's got some different medical needs. He was born at 24 weeks. Oh, my gosh. And so he was born. He's really, really little. Yeah. Um, But now I'm ready to fight because, like, I'm very attached. And, like, I'm going to make sure he gets everything he needs and all the medical needs that he has. Like, I'm going to make sure that um, he's going to get that because I am too attached and because I love him. And it is so worth it. It is like yeah. absolutely like it's when you love a child like that, even if they they do, they leave and it is super hard. Yeah. But you know that you did exactly what you were meant to do and you helped them know they're loved and they're special and gave them a safe place no matter how long it is. Yeah. Like there's nothing better. Like it's just you just know you did your part. Yeah. Chris, what do you know about God as a dad of four girls that you didn't know before the girls were in the house? Oh, um, I would say patience. Yeah. Uh, I would say a lot of patience and just loving them even when they try pushing you away because there's been plenty of times that a lot of males have hurt them yeah. um, throughout their past. And so then, especially like father figures. So then me being now like a father yeah. of them, it's kind of their protection is mm-hmm. I got to push this guy away. Yeah. Before and he does it to me. Before yeah. he hurts me. Yeah. And so that's been really hard, but to, to try to like love them through that yeah. regardless and like not take it personal, which it's, it's hard not to. Like, oh my gosh, I'm sure. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like how am I, like, am I messing this up? And then just keep loving them and loving on them and just proving to them, like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm here for you. Yeah. I care about you has been you know a very great testing thing and it's been amazing to see like the transformations and seeing them open up and trust me yeah uh, which is is really special to help them heal through that i would just imagine there's a a bit of a gift of you being seated all the time Mm -hmm. is that you're just eye to eye with them all the time yeah that's true that's true true. and you're never looming over them like other father figures have you're always eye to eye with them yeah oh yeah i I think that it helps with yeah like the safety of knowing that they're more safe too like it does help yeah yeah that is fascinating Mm -hmm. it it just never it, it one of my favorite things about couple month is is just getting to hear these little moments where God does what only God could do, mm-hmm. like driving you across Iowa yeah, at the exact right. right time. You know, like only God, every bit of it is a miracle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every it bit is. of it's a miracle, even in the middle of a tragedy too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Even when this isn't the life. I mean, I can't imagine you were 18 thinking, I bet when I'm 25, <laughs> I'll be in a wheelchair and yeah. I'll be married and have four daughters, mm-hmm. five daughters yeah. and a foster kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That just can't be what you thought this was going to look like. No, not at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why people ask like, okay, like, you know, what's your next five years going to look like or your next year going to look like? I'm like, I have no idea, <laughs> nor do I even want to try to guess. Yeah. Like, like these like last five years have just completely blown me out of the water. I could have never, ever mm-hmm. predicted a yeah. single thing close to this. So I'll just let, you know, God open doors and just keep following my heart and just see what happens. What does a normal day look like for y'all at home? I mean, it's... It's is crazy. there ever? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, we, it's fun. It's crazy. Like the kids, we have a house that has all hardwood floors. So we let them like roll, rollerblade in the yeah. house and get wheels their are scooters. welcome in this house. Wheels yeah. are Lots welcome. Of wheels. Yeah. As long as you don't hit anybody or hit the walls. Those yeah, are there our you rules. Go. Yeah. Okay. You do that, it's in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, so there's honestly like it's just 
playing all the time, dancing. Like the girls love dancing, uh-huh. constantly dancing. It's a bit loud for people who aren't used to that many yeah. people in I the like house. It. Yeah. But we love it. Yeah, yeah. We've learned to just embrace it and like it. Yeah. There's always like music playing and then, yeah, there's dolls and <laughs> doll houses. And, yeah. yeah. And when they're at school, are you at a job or is this your full-time job? No, I mean, so I stay at home with, the, with them. Okay. So like our yeah. three-year-old's at home still. Yeah. Um, so I'm at home with them. And, okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, I work from home or if I'm not on the road traveling, I do keynote speaking. Yeah. And are you still working out with that same trainer? Uh, I do some. Yeah. Not as much. We just moved um, a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit more of a drive, but I have a, a buddy of mine that I work with. And he helps train me and kind yeah. of walks me around. Yeah. yeah. How often do you get to see family? Like, who helps you? Yeah, so my sister lives in town, which is oh, really nice. Okay. She moved down to Florida after we did. Yeah. Uh, so she's around, and she helps a lot. And then, um, I mean, that, that's probably the biggest help, her and then her husband as well. Yeah. Um, mm. are, are big helps for us. It's just amazing that you just think, y'all ended up in Florida from I know. Iowa. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that is crazy. When does the documentary come out? We're hoping around May. Okay. So the, the film will be completely like edited this next month or, or the month of February. And then um, they're going to keep the conversations going with the different platforms that they have right now. And yeah. there's some good conversations that are being had. So uh, we're hopefully we'll have some big news. And, and what's the time. idea of it? What's the concept of the documentary? Just following you or your life? Yeah. I mean, it kind of takes you through like when I first got hurt. Uh, on the oh, football field okay. and breaking my neck. And then it kind of has a different perspectives of, you know, myself. There's the doctors, the coaches, my friends, family, just kind of everything that it took to kind of help me get from this complete low moment yeah. to then eventually walking down the aisle with Emily. So it just kind of captures, like, how did it all go from this tragic event to yeah. this beautiful moment and just capturing what it all took. Yeah. I love in your book, The Seven Longest Yards, which is the how far you walked on your wedding day, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you did pictures in the middle. Yeah. That's yeah. like what really famous people do, you guys. <laughs> really famous people get to put color pictures in the middle of their books. So well done to you. I think that's, I think it's awesome. The book's great. So I think people, between the book and the documentary, it feels like y'all are offering a lot of hope to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole goal and why we wanted to do this. And uh, again, like we think of those messages and now we get messages um, from people who've read the book or, mm-hmm. and then we're hoping, you know, it continues with yeah. the documentary. So just offering hope and that, you know, life's lowest moments can be the source of our greatest gifts. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just look at y'all's lives and I'm like, that is actually true. Yeah. I said absolutely. to some friends the other day, like, I feel like the world needs less cheerleaders and more storytellers. Mm-hmm. Like, I need people to quit yeah. telling me to go and do it and more tell me their story right. of yes. how they, like, survive they, things yeah. and yeah. do mm-hmm. things and let God show up for them. And yeah. that'll make us be braver. Right. Right. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yep. For sure. What, um, Emily, when you think about, you don't have to answer this, Chris, because you said you don't answer this question. <laughs> when you think about five years from now, I, when <laughs> you think about what... What life could look like. You're two, so you have that in you to like care about the future because yeah. you got to take care of everyone. I know, I do, but seriously, I've literally the exact same thing. Really? I've had to throw it out. Really? You <laughs> throw just throw it just out the can't. window. Yeah, yeah. no, because I mean, it, if I start thinking about the future and like, then I naturally like you fear certain things sure. could happen or like the way that. I don't know, just the kids growing up or things that could affect them or struggles that will come. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm taking it day by day. I'm going to do exactly what needs to be yeah. done today Good. and just let the future take care of itself. And I really have learned so, so strongly to just trust God. that He knows so much better than I do. Yeah. So I have. I've been able to let that go, which has yeah. been really nice to yeah. not have it planned out because I used to plan everything out. Oh, sure. I'm like, okay, by this time, this is going to happen and this is going <laughs> to Like, no, not anymore. Yeah, you couldn't have dreamed up this. <laughs> No, not at all. Yeah, and I had to do that too in the hospital. I can remember like when I first got hurt, I'm like, okay, by Christmas time, I want to be able to play my Xbox. I got hurt in October. And I started to set these different milestones. All right, I'm going to walk out of the hospital. And as I got to those times, I realized I wasn't hitting my goals. And it was really frustrating and like deflating. And so I just really more so focused on the process. Like what can I do? today like that was the goal of just accomplishing like those habits and what 
that process and then just let everything else take care of itself. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask all the couples this, this month, what is the trick to staying together? What's the trick of making this work? I think put God first and then also just good communication and being able to be open with each other um, has been important. And yeah, finding what makes that other person feel loved and special um, and making sure to like make an effort to do that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for taking all of my... (laughs) (laughs) No, I think just like that effort of just like communication and like not letting things fester and making sure you, you set aside time for each other. Yeah, and just staying plugged in because I know with like us, there's always like so many things going on, especially like with the kids. But then just staying plugged in with each other, like how you're doing and like how you feel, like just really setting aside time to to dive in. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm gonna make a list of all these things and be That's like, okay, here's idea. all. Here's <laughs> yeah. the thing everybody said. Here's the trick yeah. everybody said. Okay, the last question we always ask, if there is anything else we left out, is because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what you do for fun. I mean, we love just like being outside, going to the park with the kids. I mean, that's like right now pretty much our life is like just hanging out with the kids and doing those kind of fun activities. Um, traveling, we love traveling. Yeah. Um, we've traveled a lot with like my family, Chris's family too, and go to the beach and that kind of stuff yeah. um, is mm-hmm. things that we enjoy. Yeah. I love playing like games. We're always playing oh, like yeah. cards or dice. dice. Yeah. Um, I love watching movies, but those are kind of some of our favorites in traveling. Tell me a movie you've seen lately that you loved. Oh, that's that's a tough one. I liked Aladdin a lot. <laughs> did you? You liked Aladdin? I did too. I liked it. That I was a, it. that was a really good. That movie. That was one yeah. we not long ago saw. I'm trying yeah. to think. Yeah, I we think... haven't gone to the movies very much recently. Now I was about to say that's a it's lot like of people to get in. Yeah. yeah, it is. I think the, there's a movie on Netflix like Six Underground was pretty crazy. <gasps> What's uh, it about? Um, it's kind of like a Fast and Furious like extreme okay like the michael bay like the explosions and yeah the, yeah yeah the car races i kind of <laughs> like the uh fast-paced stuff yeah i'm not surprised you're like a 26 yeah. year old dude yeah, that yeah, feels yeah. exactly you're like blow yeah. stuff up yeah. drive real fast i'll yeah. enjoy watching that yeah. i'm with you me too i think that's fun thank you guys for doing this today i'm so yeah. grateful to have met you this is really fun yeah you too oh friends don't you love them i know they're just the best i i could not have been more impressed with them. And don't forget, we had a couple of questions that I saved for YouTube. So head over to my YouTube page. You will find the link in the description and it's easy to find. Head over there and check out a little bit of extra conversation with Chris and Emily Norton. Don't forget their book is called The Seven Longest Yards. Make sure you grab a copy of that. Follow them on social media and tell them thanks so much for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it. Speaking of love and speaking of couples, don't forget that the Love Better Tour kicks off this month. I'm so excited. Just head to CompassionLive.com to get your tickets and join us. We are going to have the best, best time. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. I'm smiling ear to ear. I just love, love, love Couples Month. We will be back here on Thursday with another couple, one of your favorite couples, Amanda Bible Williams and Rachel Myers from She Reads Truth as we talk about co-working and Lent, the season that is about to start so we can get ready to study Lent together just like we did at Advent. So we will see you guys back here on Thursday. Thursday.